you guys, uh, that is that is Blair, and uh, he is a gracious barbarian, if I've ever met one. Uh, that video is actually from two or three years ago. We did a, a, a series, of message series called All In, and the truth is I can think of nobody who is more all in than Blair. Literally, the walls are held up by him around here. Um, this place would not exist without his service and his leading the prayer team. And uh, Blair, this is not part of the message, but I'm so very thankful for you. And he's doing sound right now, so he's still serving even even today. So if there's any sound complaints, he's the gracious barbarian to talk to about them. Um, you guys, last week we got to do something really kind of fun. Some One of the things that we really love doing around here, uh, we got to gather around Connor and Carla Clark and dedicate their little boy, Roan. Uh, and I, I really love child dedications. Um, it's this kind of commitment from parents just to do their very best to raise their kid in uh, a place where they'll encounter Jesus. And, you know, and then it's a chance for the church to stand around that family and say, we know that's hard and we're going to help you. We're going to be here with you while you do that. It's like a perfect, it takes a village moment. And last week we kind of joked a bit about how parenting is like a minefield uh, and that you're constantly trying to avoid the very easy mistakes that you can make. Um, I've stepped on my fair share of landmines as a parent. We shared a few of those last week because parenting is hard. I'm noticing a ring here. Let me just pull back on my gain a bit. I'll talk louder. Um, for me growing up, oh, so, so being a parent is hard, but you guys, being a kid is also really hard. Uh, for me growing up, let's just say uh, I wasn't very cool. Um, and when I say that, my friends still love to remind me that I'm still not very cool. Um, as, but as a kid, I was a nerd. I was a geek. And um, while I had my three brothers, they were all spinning and juking their way to touchdowns on the high school football team. Uh, I was uh, dancing on stage in musical theater down at Keanu. Yeah, so uh, very different. You know, I was very different than uh, my brothers in that way. And... I went to public school. Uh, I went to public school most of my life, but uh, my parents, when I went into grade eight, decided to switch me to a private school, uh, the Christian school, actually, for grade eight. I think they thought that maybe at the Christian school I would get beat up less. Um, that, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> um, and I was kind of excited about it because I went into a class that only had five kids. Uh, so there was me and another boy, and then three girls. And, and that's kind of the age I started getting interested in girls. And so I liked my odds, right? There's only two guys and three girls. I was probably going to, you know, catch the eye of one of the girls. That did not happen. As it would turn out, those three girls all ended up professing their affection for the one other guy <laughs> in the class. Um, yeah, so being a kid is hard, right? Being a kid is hard. And... Um, and many of you will have experienced the pressure growing up to be a certain way. Uh, for me, uh, I knew I wanted to grow up to be a good man. And between society and the way culture was, uh, the way things have always kind of been, it kind of looked like I was missing the mark. See, men were tough, and they did not show emotion. They did not cry. A man didn't let anybody know his weaknesses. Actually, men just shot things, right? That's what men did. And men were 
the barbarians, and I wasn't much like that. And over the years, God has actually helped me kind of develop a, a healthier sense of what it means to be a man, um, that there is balance. That Yes, it's important to provide for my family, but it's also extremely important that I am present with my family. Uh, that, yes, I need to help my kids learn that their emotions shouldn't own them, but I need to be vulnerable enough for them to see how I work through my emotions. And yes, it's important for me to show my kids, my family, that I am strong, but they need to see me work through my weaknesses too. Being a good husband and being a good father for me isn't just, isn't just about one side of the coin. It's about balance. It's about strength and vulnerability, power and meekness, bravery and restraint. Kind of a gracious, barbarian sort of thing. And this give and take kind of totally affects our interactions with each other and kind of the trajectory of our life. And when we can have balance in our lives, uh, our relationships are healthier, they're stronger, and they're more resilient. And then when we're out of balance, when we're all the way to one side or the other, uh, our relationships will end up being strained and more prone to hurt and less durable. And this idea works in our relationship with God as well, except with one main difference. Now, you may be able to put on a show and make a fool of the people around you and pretend to be someone that you're not, but God knows exactly who you are. And he doesn't want you to come to him and to pretend to be something that you're not. He doesn't want you to pretend that you have it all together when you don't. Uh, there is this gracious barbarian in history uh, that got this totally right when it came to his relationship with God. His name was David. And David has gone down in the history books as being a man who was after God's own heart. And David was a BA warrior and a general of an army. And David chopped off the, the head of a, a giant named Goliath. And then he wrote a poem about it. And David was an expert wielding a sword or an axe, but he didn't mind tearing up the dance floor either. See, David was a man after God's own heart because he spent his life pursuing the life that God created him to live. He spent his life trying to become whoever it was that God created him to be, whatever it was that that looked like. Now, that doesn't mean David always got it right. In fact, David got it wrong a lot of the time. David made some pretty big mistakes. And mistake is probably too light of a word to use for some of his mistakes. He did some really bad and really stupid things. David was a major contributor to the book of Psalms that's in your Bible. Uh, and David's contributions to this book consist of heartfelt prayers and poems. Because uh, when he would screw up, he would write a prayer about it. Uh, when he would succeed, he would write out a heartfelt poem. And in his writings in the book of Psalms, we can find a way, we can see how he related to God and what it meant for him to be a man after God's own heart. Now, some of the Psalms are celebrations, you know, of successes, and some are laments for failures. Many, most of them are heartfelt and desperate cries for God to intervene on his behalf. 
And one of the best ways to read the Psalms is to try to understand the event that happened in David's life that happened that led to him writing that particular Psalm. What actually happened in the Psalm that you're reading about. And so today we're going to blast through four different Psalms, four chapters in the book of Psalm, uh, and look at four different sections of each of those Psalms and see if we can hopefully learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. So we're going to blast through four. This is the first one. Uh, The first Psalm we're going to look at is Psalm 9. Uh, So let's just read that together. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing your praises of your name, O Most High. Dear diary, today was a good day, right? David is having a good day. He's feeling good. Something great has happened. And if you dig a little deeper and do a little work, you'll discover that David penned these words of thankfulness and praise after he defeated the giant named Goliath and rescued his people in the process. And you probably will know that story of David and Goliath. A giant man stands at the center of a battlefield, taunting the people of Israel and mocking their God and threatening to kill them. And this young boy, just a boy, steps out onto the battlefield. He has no experience. He didn't wear any extravagant armor. He didn't wield a a, a sword. He stepped out on that battlefield with a pocket full of rocks and a sling and an attitude that knew God was with him. David instantly became a hero that day he slayed Goliath. And his life would never be the same. Stories of his success traveled quickly across the land and people would write songs about him and parents would name their kids after him and eventually Michelangelo would craft a sculpture of him of him that we don't let our kids see right it, it, he became this cultural icon things were coming up david but he didn't get caught up in all of these accolades he sat down as soon as he could after this incredible success And he wrote these words of thankfulness to God. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. He knew that God was at work in his life, and he gave God credit for the good things that were happening. When times are good, we can sometimes have this tendency just to go with the flow, to to let the good times roll and not question why it's happening. It's like when I play Fortnite with my kids, And they think they're winning because they're better than me, but they're winning because I'm letting them win, right? (laughs) That's the way it used to be. (laughs) When David experienced this blessing in his life, he gave credit to God, which is a valuable lesson that we can learn from this psalm today. Okay, that's the first one. Let's, Let's do the second one. Although David's life after Goliath entered this new trajectory of celebrity and success. That's not to say he didn't experience some incredible hurdles that he would have to overcome in his life. Let's look at this next psalm. He wrote, When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have No refuge, no one even cares for my life. From high to low, just like that, 
I am alone. No one cares about me. There is nowhere safe for me. No one even cares that I'm alive. See, King Saul, who at first championed David and was the reason that David stepped out on that battlefield in the first place, soon began to develop jealousy and bitterness towards David. And no longer were people writing songs about King Saul. Suddenly, David was getting all of the attention. And so Saul turned on David, and he set out to kill him. But David escaped, and he hid out in the wilderness, fearing for his life in a cave. That is where he wrote these words of this psalm. Look and see, God. I am alone. And the question is, have you ever felt that way? And I'm willing to bet that you have experienced loneliness in your life. You, you know, loneliness has be, it was an epidemic long before COVID was a pandemic, right? Uh, and COVID has only made things worse for people. Depression and anxiety, unhealthy coping mechanisms might just be the cave that we have found ourselves hiding in. You see, but in these moments, we can learn something from David who in that cave chose not just to see the dark that was surrounding him, but turned his faith towards God. See, what would it look like for us to do the same, to turn towards God, to let him know that we feel desperately alone, that we've lost hope, and that we feel like there's nowhere to turn? You see, here's the thing. God wants to meet us right where we are, right in the middle of our loneliness, right in whatever cave it is that we find ourselves hiding in. Maybe today it's time to turn to him. Okay, third psalm. Let's keep going. This one might be a little more familiar than the others. This is kind of a a famous psalm. Psalm 51 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Do you guys know when David wrote these famous words? See, David had become king and he had lost his way a bit. He was no longer hiding in a cave. Instead, he was an old man brooding on a throne. And David got a married woman pregnant. And it didn't stop there. To conceal his sin, he had her husband murdered. And he thought he got away with it until his best friend Nathan called him out. He said, well, I know what you did, David. And instead of denying it, this is, so, this is so important, instead of denying it, instead of continuing to hide his sin, instead of digging himself even deeper, David admitted to it. He confessed and he turned to God and he laid it all out before him. You know, we talked about this in our starting point class a bit this last Wednesday, about how some apologies just seem kind of inadequate Sometimes, like when you tell your kid or, or a kid to uh, say sorry and they just say, sorry, right? Like that doesn't count. You're not actually sorry. You know they don't mean it. And for someone to be truly sorry uh, it requires them to acknowledge that an offense was committed, to admit what they said or did actually damaged the relationship. For them to say they actually wronged you. You know, 
When we were young, we, we, we've, we've been doing this our whole lives, right? When we were young, we would learn to hide our mistakes, our screw-ups. You'd break a glass, you'd sweep it up and try to hide it from your parents. Or if you got a bad grade, you'd lose your report card on the way home from school. I lost a lot of report cards. Now they're emailed straight to the parents, so that, that doesn't happen anymore. But as an adult, we, we continue this behavior, too, um, Yarky, who is, uh, plays drums here and leads worship uh, quite often, uh, he was telling me a while back that he got McDonald's on his way home from work and that he, uh, he didn't really want to get McDonald's for the whole family, so he just scarfed it down in the car and then like hid all of the evidence before he went in the house. And he walked in the house, and his wife Kaylee looked at him and said, Oh, what'd you eat? And he just played it cool. He said, Well, nothing. And then she said, well, what's that glob of Big Mac sauce doing in your beard? <laughs> right? Like he, he was trying to hide it. We try to hide stuff from God and from each other. But there is this incredible freedom that comes from confessing our sins and shining a light on our mistakes. You can't fix what you won't admit exists. You can't change if you won't admit you need change. Like Adrian said earlier, you can't change in the dark. You have to turn the lights on. David's example of admission and repentance here is, is something that we don't want to do, but it's something that is the reason, one of the primary reasons that he was considered a man after God's own heart. Because even when he would screw up, he would go to God and ask for forgiveness. Let's look at the last psalm. Uh, and this is my favorite four lines in the whole book of Psalms. Psalm 42 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. You can just feel that David is spinning right now. He is depressed and I, I imagine him literally beating his chest in anguish trying to force out just a bit of faith just a bit of hope when David penned these depressing words he was on the run from his son Absalom his son had arranged a coup and now son was trying to kill father and it's hard to even imagine as a parent how difficult this would be to work through and David's heart is broken his life feels meaningless and he's barely holding on he is literally talking to himself trying to convince himself that things are going to be okay he is literally trying to beat his body into submission to trust god and his promises even in the darkest night david went to god c.s lewis who is an author of uh early last century who put it this way he said god whispers to us in our pleasures speaks to us in our conscience but shouts in our pains it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world god is there in your pain in fact often in our pain is when god's voice can be heard the clearest david shows us in this psalm that 
even in our most desperate moments, even in our deepest depression and darkest night, that when we lift our eyes to God, He is faithful to answer us, to be with us, to hurt with us, to heal with us, and to help us find our wholeness. I'm going to invite the band to come up now as we are about to close with one song. And and you guys, I know... We've been jumping really quick from psalm to psalm and from story to story. We've kind of blasted through a few this morning. Uh, From victory on the battlefield to loneliness to confession to repentance and even depression. And David's life and his writings in the psalms are this constant roller coaster ride of good and bad, of feeling hopeful and then hopeless and then being whole and being broken. And for everything he did right, there is a wrong somewhere, right? For every virtue he had, you'd turn it over and you'd find a vice. He was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So the the question, so it begs the question, why is he remembered as a man who followed over after God's own heart? How come we hold him up now as an example of a gracious barbarian when he did so many things wrong. It's because he brought everything to the table with God. He brought his whole self to God. He brought his good and the bad, his successes and his failures. He laid them at the feet of his creator. And when everything was coming up roses, He thanked his creator. And when he screwed up and hurt the people he loved, he asked God to restore him. David was relentless with his vulnerability and honesty when it came to his relationship with God. He sought God in all things. Let me me ask you, this is a silly question, but do you ever feel like the ads that you see on Facebook or the internet uh, are oddly targeted towards you, right? They, they, you guys know they are, right? And we understand, that, you know, I understand that if I Google iPads, I'm going to suddenly see a lot of ads for iPads. Uh, but sometimes it seems more sinister than that, right? Sometimes you feel like you just said iPad, and now you're seeing ads for it, right? Or sometimes it seems even more sinister than that, where you just thought iPad, and now you're seeing ads for it. Guys, Siri and Alexa, they are always listening. It is listening. Always waiting for you to say those magic words. And, and here's the thing. God is a bit like that. I mean, he's not waiting to help you, you know, move things around in your calendar uh, or to remind you to take out the garbage or pick up the kids from school. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. He's waiting and he's listening Because he wants to hear from you because he likes you. Because he cares for you. He wants to hear what is hurting you right now. And he wants to hear what you are thankful for. And he wants to hear when things are hard in your life. He wants to hear from you. And David was a man after God's own heart, not because he did all the things right, but because he took all the things to God. And that's something you and I can learn to do too. 
Listen to the way that Paul put it here. This is so good. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Prayer is powerful. Not just because God answers your prayers, but because we encounter God in our prayers. <laughs> Ask Blair and, and the folks from the prayer team about this. They meet every Monday night to pray for us and to, to pray for me and to pray for you. And guys, they haven't even met you. And they are praying for you. They have set aside a time of their week and given up an evening with their family to pray for you. And this week, I want you to try something. We're going to finish. The band is going to lead us in a song of worship. But as, uh, this week, I want to challenge you. And this is something you can get serious help with. Set up a reminder on your phone to pray. If you're a morning person, set a reminder in the morning. If you're an evening person, set a reminder in the evening. Set aside a bit of time this week, each day, just to go to God in prayer. You don't have to use any fancy words. Just do what Paul told us to do here. Tell, tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Just talk to him like you would a friend. And you can even use the Psalms to help you pray. Uh, are you feeling thankful? We've seen there's a Psalm for that. Are you feeling depressed? There's a Psalm for that. Are you feeling hungry? I don't think there's a Psalm for that. There might be. Fill up my cup. Oh. The point is that whatever it is, God wants you to bring it to him. Not just so you can know how to solve your problems, but that you can know God. And as you pray this, this, this week, and as, as you pray today, just bring it all to him. I can't say that enough. The parts you are proud of, the parts you are ashamed of, the stories of successes and the real needs of your life. And I pray that in this, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we could understand. Guys, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have invited us to bring our troubles and to bring our thankfulness to you. That you just don't want to solve our problems, but that you want to create a relationship with you. That you care about us enough to work through our things with us. And Jesus, I pray that as we go into this moment of worship and as we go into our weeks, that we would gain the courage to be like David, to bring it all to you, to say, this is what went well, this is what went bad. God, help me. And Jesus, as we go into our weeks, help us to experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus, help us to meet you in these moments of prayer. Pray this in your holiest of names. Amen.